Boom. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, everybody? Shouts out to all the listeners. Welcome to the Highly Advised Podcast. It's a brand new episode for your life. Brand new episode for your week. I'm here with my amigos, the motherfucking dons of the whole goddamn game. Shouts out to my nigga, motherfucking relaxing Jackson. Shouts out to my nigga, motherfucking say kitsch. Guys, let them know. Also, let them know what episode this is because I lost my train of thought. I think it's episode 50. What? 56. Uh, six. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. 56. Yeah. Let's go. I remember uh, last episode I said 55 like five times in the beginning. So, yeah, this is episode 56. Wow. Look at yeah. us. Yeah. We in the 50s. That's all that matters. Man. Yeah, exactly. It feels like we've been doing this for quite a bit of time. I'm not going to lie. Like, I think about some of the things that have happened while we've been doing a podcast that we've talked about. It's like weird to a certain degree. Yeah, it's for real. For real, we're like, uh, we kind of are able to be like a capsule of time of like definitely because we kind of started the we were actually starting this before the pandemic hit, yeah, man. And then, like, when we actually were like, yo, we're planning it out, this is when we're dropping the first episode. The pandemic, we kind of went into the pandemic like the week after, so like, we've been like really like a time capsule over the past like what is it like 15, 16 months since the pandemic started essentially like maybe yeah. a little less but like it's, it's been crazy. a dope experience man yeah it's been cool we've definitely been wrong yeah. a lot um if, if you want to hear how wrong we were we said we were going to be in this for about a week or two and look at us now yeah i mean we was we was doing it for a minute though i think we all kind of knew we was gonna, the the objective was to get as far as possible and man we've gotten pretty far i will say that no, I'm saying I'm talking about the pandemic. Oh yeah, nah, the <laughs> pandemic. Nah, that's a fact. For the pandemic, we definitely said, "Oh, we'll be it." This a lot because they said it was going to be two weeks. Yeah, and that was it. But then next thing you know, it goes from two weeks to being, oh, it's it's indefinite, pretty much. We yeah. seen people go crazy for toilet paper, but now we're seeing people go crazy for gas. It's like it's crazy, man. I saw a meme. Somebody said they filled their basement up with gas. I'm like, my God, like, how'd you do that? <laughs> like, how much gas did you Crazy. have to have in order to do that? You know what I mean? Sick, man. I've seen, some, I've seen uh, clips of people, like, taking, like, Tupperware, like, multiple things of Tupperware, laying it out on the ground and filling it up with gas. I've seen people, like, record, like, fill up plastic bags with gas, like, double-bagging gasoline, I was speaking. I was speaking a while earlier this week about this, and I was like, you know, an important thing about gas that people should know is that gas can go stale. You know, if you buy it over time, it can essentially not be as good as it was. That's why you get fresh gas from the gas station. You know, yeah. but that's just that's just me. You know what I mean? Go nuts with your gas if you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, pretty much like the gas it condensate, uh, condensate, or whatever the word is, and um, yeah, pretty much you'll get water in your gas, and then you're, it's no, just no, just no, it's gonna, it's not a, it's not a fun trip after that. I'll leave it at that. You know who's feeling gassed up nowadays? <laughs> who's feeling gassed up, man? Deontay Wilder. Shit, y'all should have never allowed him to post those videos of him boxing. It's, he's he's gassed up right now because they get if people don't know about a couple of weeks ago we had reported that Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua would be fighting sometime this year possibly in August a fight that we've all been waiting for after Tyson Fury has beaten Deontay Wilder 
But unfortunately, though he's came up with all the gimmicks of they spiked my water, he had something in his uh, glove, or my cornerman had something to do with trying to get me to lose, he's been now awarded the rematch to their fight because they were under contract. So we unfortunately will not be getting the Anthony Joshua Tyson Fury match right away. But this Deontay Wilder match, he's feeling himself. It sounds like he's uh, he's found who he was, who he once was, I guess. Boxing is doing what boxing does best. I think it's lame. <clears throat> I think the shit is lame. I think it doesn't really make much sense for the fights to be going this way. I think what happened is it's kind of dumb because like at the end of the day they took away the Tyson Fury Anthony Joshua fight which would have you know been a combination of all the belts which is cool which is I think the direction that you know boxing should move towards of course me being a novice boxing fan you know what I mean like I'll say that I think that just will be at the say ultimate that shit, say that shit again for the listeners me being <laughs> a novice boxing fan an old casual that would be a dope goal no, I'm not going to lie. I don't watch boxing like that. I've said it multiple times on this podcast. I just think that it would be cool, me, myself. Don't be ashamed of being a novice. Don't be ashamed of being a casual fan. Because, like, let's be honest. Before everybody became experts or nerds about the motherfucking game of boxing, they didn't know shit neither. They had to exactly. be exposed to it. They had to start watching I'm more fights. To, ex- well, you know, welcome uh, to class. Yeah, welcome right. to welcome to class. Well, anyway, check y'all. I don't know. Hey, man. They check me, nigga. They was talking about the nigga with the back check. They was talking about the dude with the with the Steelers in the back. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't sound so smart. That's what he said about you. He didn't say that. That shit was crazy. That's but, funny. But uh, for real though, like how I feel about this Wilder thing, it's just kind of more corrupt politics and boxing you know it's kind of crazy how this whole thing didn't get resolved you already had a fight booked between anthony and tyson fear which that dragged its ass before it finally got its you know proposed date and next year a couple of days later oh surprise deontay's getting his rematch and it's september 15th so i don't know how they're going to work this out i don't know if they'll still try to have that fight for august 14th and then finagle away for tyson to fight September 15th or I, I don't know man and maybe this is where the listeners and the, the commentators commentators people in the comments I should say are educating us on how this is going to work how the ironclad contracts and the paperwork and all that shit works and what's rightfully going to happen because for people who are not into the politics of boxing and when I mean politics I mean corruption we don't know what's the right thing or wrong because everything is you know presented as the wrong thing so let us know like hey what's what is going to happen what's going down and uh and then we'll just take your word for it you know what i mean couch genius whoever you may be we'll take your word for it the couch geniuses yeah and then we'll go ahead yeah and we'll go ahead and uh we'll follow follow suit but if for a casual fan or a guy that does only that doesn't watch boxing except for the big fights, nobody likes this. This is stupid. Yeah, this is it, stupid. No, I that I definitely agree about, man. Like the at this point, the I understand like the whole thing with contracts and you make an agreement, but even then, I believe I correct me if I'm wrong. I think that was only available for the first twelve month twelve months after the fight. So if there wasn't a rematch done within that time, 
it's SOL at that point. So I think like it's unfortunate because like Deontay, I get why he feels he deserves a rematch, but even during that time when that window, that frame, that window was actually open, he was running around saying he got spiked. His coach was his corner was in on it. There was like I think he said the the suit that he wore to the fight was too heavy. His legs were weak. Tyson Fury cheated him. The all these other excuses other than let's fight, let's set up a date. And I think because of that, like you said, someone that's like a diehard boxing fan that's like watches every fight from the opening card to the main event, they for them they'll probably say, oh cool, I'm glad to see this again. But they also probably understand the corruption of boxing more of, and they just accept it as part of part of the sport at that point. But as a as a casual or someone that watches fights every so often, those type of people, I agree. This fight shouldn't be happening at this point because it's past the time limit. If they want, if anything, I would have respected Tyson Fury and Joshua having their bout, and then Wilder gets whoever fight who either the loser of that fight or a rematch to whoever fight or the winner of that fight because then they whoever wins that fight has all the belts. But oh man, is it that fascinating? <laughs> guy, guy who just got viciously beat up. <laughs> He still gets a shot at the title. Wow, that's that's so great. And you know, <laughs> I don't know how anybody could get up in the morning for that. That's we're not talking about, you know, the pound for pound number one fighter in the world and he lost the split decision to the corrupt judges. We're talking about a guy who just got his ass spanked. I'm- and he could wait a whole year and a half and he automatically gets a, a title shot at one of the boxing titles, the ring magazine title, the ESPN, you know, magazine <laughs> title. It's crazy. Hey know? man. I, hey, listen, I mean, we'll get more into it later, but it, it sounds kind of off. It often, often reminds me of a, a, some things that we see in the UFC today to some extent from the BMF belt to even like a guy who's on like who's the biggest ticket in the sport, but you know they give him a title yeah. fight even though he's like got mad losses. And 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 it's wrong. Yeah, it, it's I agree. Wrong. It's yeah, it's a, it's a joke. I, and I'm a Connor fan. I'm probably more a Connor fan than, than anybody than you two. No, not more than anybody, nigga. But <laughs> more, more, but more than you two. More than you two, I'll, I'll admit that. But I, I will also admit that him getting a title shot, beating Poirier, is not fair. I mean, it the we way that guess this what happened though. No, we guessed it and we all knew it. Blah blah blah. But the way Dana <laughs> moved, you know, the way he yeah. played chess with all the fighters <laughs> of the division. He made it possible for once again Connor to be in the title picture. How do you get knocked out and you're still one fight away from getting a title shot? Dana just, White, man. He, he, I mean, I know I give Box a lot of shit about corruption. Dana White, he's, he's, doing, he's doing it in plain sight. There's two people that I can think got title shots frequently as this, and that's Randy Couture. Yes. Uriah Faber. So mm. I won't I won't knock Randy because the kind of like the era of he was part in and you know what I mean. Right. So shouts out to the heavyweight light heavyweight legend Randy. Right. Faber, I'll agree with you. This man, he'll beat up some jobber or some guy that he's not necessarily a bad fighter, but he's just not <laughs> a guy at who that should. level. <laughs> All right, yeah, let's just say that. Yeah. 
and it, they're gifting him a title shot, hoping he wins, but he's getting <laughs> spanked or he's getting knocked out. You know I what I mean? I agree but, with all that. But let's not talk about what's not important. Let's talk about Charles Oliveira. So yes. let me yes. say, listeners, I'm going to say I, I'm wrong with my prediction. I predicted Chandler was going to win by knockout second round. I'm wrong, 100%. But I also did say, hey, there's a chance this guy can win. <laughs> And I mean, we all said that. Though. Talk about covering your bets, man. <laughs> hey, what? <laughs> so yeah, I'm betting on him, but let me put fifty on. I'm, I'm gonna put up two hundred on him, but let me put fifty on Charles Oliveira. Yeah, right? Nah, we need to like have hard in place bets on the who's winning. Like, we'll we'll do that, man. Well, yeah. yeah, but we should do it for fun, though. Like, I'm not talking about real money. No, nah, nah, we'll find yeah. one. Let's bet cars. Cars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Nah, it's like let me bet your pink slip, man. Yeah. <laughs> but like for real though, like I, I just want to say congratulations to Charles Oliveira. Ten years in the UFC. He had some ups, definitely had his downs, had a long ass journey. He racked up eight fight win streak. He mm. racked up eight wins in a row before he got a title shot. Jeez. Then it was looking a little rocky for him in that first round. He yes. some of the, some of the judges scored it a ten eight, and then he came back. He kept his composure, and he was like, "Brazil, we did it, we did it, baby." <laughs> so, shouts out to him. That was a nice left hook he landed on Chandler. Um, I'm I'm wondering if if Michael Chandler's a little chinny because it wasn't like he was getting pummeled, and then he got hit with that nice little hook, and next all of a sudden. You know, his fucking legs was doing the deer shit. So. <laughs> I think... Uh, go ahead. No, nah, you got it. I think... I, I was watching the fight. I don't... I personally don't think Michael Chandler is Cheney only because, like, of the types of fights we've seen him in before where, you know, he's one of those people who, like, they get rocked and they keep on going on. And even, like, after he got rocked by that beautiful hook that he threw, he wasn't all the way out. You know what I mean? He needed to follow up a little bit because Michael Chandler can kind of get himself together... In, in a similar way to Eddie Alvarez, who ha- he had those wars with, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as Oliveira winning, like, I was watching that fight, and I just, like, I, I I think we all knew it was possible. I never saw him knocking him out, like, the way he did. That shocked me. And, like, he caught him just with the one of the nicest counters <laughs> that I've seen, like, in a long time. And I was just like, man, like, he really... He really did it, and then he won. I, I you really got to give him credit because, like, yeah. I thought he had the had the skills at one forty five, but he just never put it put up enough of a streak in order to get himself in, fully into the title picture. So, like, I think him winning the title at one fifty five, I personally didn't think it was gonna happen. But you know, shouts out to him because he really did the thing. He did it. Yeah, that's the that's the crazy part about it. Like, <clears throat> for someone to go on such a long streak and and being in the being in the, the the UFC game, the professional fighting game of the UFC for pretty much like Lao said, ten years. And to get to this point and even in the fight itself, it wasn't like it wasn't like from the as soon as the bell rang in round one, it was a definitive, oh, Charles Oliveira is gonna win this fight. It was he he took some shots. He was doing pretty good at first and then he started taking some shots. I mean, I know I was close to thinking like, yo, at this point, if he doesn't scramble, this could be over for him. And luckily, he was able to get himself together, pull himself back up, and then came out in the round two 
and he did what it was necessary, but it was a close fight nonetheless. So like to see someone go from his journey in itself to get to this point and then ha- still having a tough fight, it kind of shows like it's a testament to like just those type of fighters. And he's only what, 31, 32. So he's still pretty much pretty young. He's probably just hitting his peak in, in a sense. So it was pretty dope. I think um, shout outs to Charles, Olive- not Charles Oliveira, but Michael Chandler as well. He took the he took the loss pretty good. And I think um, I, I'm sorry, I don't believe he'll have the title within the next 12 months. I agree. Uh, he won't. Yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think so. Either. Yeah, yeah. Like he, it's sad to say, but like we were saying, he'll probably have to get some. There'll be some way there'll be a bridge between him and Connor. Connor will be standing at the middle of this bridge at some point, more than likely, if he wins the next fight. So, yeah. But. One thing I wanted to say about Michael Chandler in that fight is it looked like the way he was fighting, he thought that he could win the fight literally anywhere it went. And I think we all knew that he had a chance of knocking my or Charles Oliveira out. But I think that if he would have just let him stand up, even DC said it at some point in the fight, he said, I'd let him stand up. And I would have too, mm-hmm. because I think he just would have had a better chance if it was on the feet. But for whatever reason, he was just comfortable like being on the ground. And it's not like he was getting like dominated. He won that whole first round. But it just seems like an odd choice for me, personally. I would have just took it on the easiest route, but... Yeah, especially when you know you're like fighting someone that can grapple. Like it wasn't like he was fighting someone that he thought was just a stand-up guy. Like similar to what we would see in the following fight with uh, Tony, where Tony was fighting um, Dariush. Yeah, yeah. When he was fighting Dariush, like they were even talking about that fight. Like, oh, how he when he fought Charles Oliveira, he was on the ground a lot. So you would think someone like Michael Chandler would have taken like the, the had the sensibility of knowing like, hey. This is a guy that I don't want to be on on my back or having him on his back. Definitely when we all know, like, from what we've seen with Michael Chandler, his thing is standing up. He's quick to try to shift shift his stance going from orthodox to unorthodox. So, and even his style of fighting is just, I'm going to be up on you. So it would have been better. It would have been smarter, but who knows? Maybe because of those things, he feels as though he could be back at having a title shot at least in the next 12 months. Though we don't believe it, but he has every right to dream. Um, but yeah, similar to what we were saying, what I was saying though, the Tony fight last night between Tony and Dariush. What did you guys think about that fight? Well, listeners, that was the prediction I got right. I, <laughs> I just, I just didn't see Tony pulling this one off. Dariush, man, he's a guy where if you actually really watch him fight before, he's not bad. And not only that, he's been fighting some tough competition. Yeah. You know? So it's not like this is a guy, he's been beating up newcomers, guys with 0-2 records in the UFC. No, he's been beating some tough guys, some stiff guys. And pause. But, like, he's not he's not fucking <laughs> fighting bums at all. So when he fought Tony, and the way I see Tony got beat up by Justin, and he got ragdolled by Oliveira, I was just kind of like... I don't know, man. This is a bad matchup for him because, like, Dariush is a good grappler. He's really good right. at his grappling. And I feel like his stand-up is not, like, elite, but it's good enough to where he could close the distance and grapple you, take you down and, and wear you out, work you, probably get a finish. You guys seen that heel hook? Yeah. The that fact, was crazy. The <laughs> fact that Tony did a tap was just kind of like, that's a testament to his heart and his will. You know what I mean? To endure that pain. But if that was any other, anybody else, they would have tapped. 
if it was Connor, he would have tapped. If it was fucking Justin or fucking Dustin, they probably could have tapped. Like that, not anybody is not tapping to that hill hook. He popped his shit and Tony was still up there fighting. So kudos to Tony for being able to take punishment and be able to keep coming. But it's like, I think Tony needs to take some real time off. Yes. Because it's kind of like, He's just get he's getting beat up in these fights, man. And it's not and it's it's, it's starting to become like Tyron Woodley. Tyron Woodley, every fight he's looking worse. <laughs> like it's mm. it's. Did you see the stat that DC let off earlier today? About are you talking about the thirty strikes one? Yeah, like he's lost, he's landed one strike per minute in like his last like three fights or something like that. Yeah, that's Jeez. bad. That's, that's bad. very bad. It's like you know? at that point he's a human punching bag. Right. Yeah, essentially. Like, you really do got to take some time off because it's like, I I personally think that Tony has the skills to stay in it like a little bit more, but he's got to take some time off. Like, it seems like, it seems like people found some type of formula to beat him. You know what I mean? And like, he's just getting dominated. You know what I mean? Like, it's like these last three losses were like dominating losses. Like, you... You got to get some time, maybe like a year or two, and then, you know, give it one last shot. And then after that, I think that's about it. Well, listeners, cheat plug in real quick. But uh, the rankings, make sure you check them out on the Highly Advised Podcast Instagram page, and you'll see our rankings of who who we think is, you know, where they're at and possibly who could get the next title shot. So just check check it out there. And now we move on. I saw something a little... Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say I didn't even. I wanted to say something about this. So like, okay, with the, my bad. Nah, you good. Uh, so with the Tony fight, right? Like, I agree where like he he got dominated the whole fight, and that hill hook it, it showed a testament to like how tough he was. But at the same time, he took a bad injury f- from that, from what you could tell. So like, it kind of stopped him from even putting pressure on that foot for the most for the rest of the fight. Um, I think between trying to heal from that as well as trying to take some time off to kind of break, I guess, that streak or get his mind right so he can get get out of that focus of that streak that he's been on of the losing streak. He's he's only he's like 37, 38 at this point. If him giving him taking time off, what is I know loud not loud, but I know Nigel said like, oh, a year time, right? So now we're putting him at like 38, 39, which is pretty much 40. He's pretty much close to 40. Yeah, so at this point, personally, I think it may be better for him to, if he was to to fight again, he needs to fight within the next year. If not, I think it's best that he retires because he's, at this point, he he doesn't have much, time's not on his side. And even DC is a testament of talking about fighting at the championship level of how hard it is to practice and how hard it is to cut weight X, Y, and Z when he's, and he was fighting at 40 years old. So like, I think for Tony, I think it's probably best that he hang it, he hangs it up. I know it's unfortunate. It's last thing he probably would want to hear, but if he does fight, he needs to fight within the next year or hang it up. He's getting at this point, you don't want someone to be become a punching bag. Like this is probably just the sign of his decline. I don't know. It's it's weird because I forgot how old he was and like it's definitely possible that he should retire. I don't know. Like it's weird because he was just so he was he was near a title shot and he just took took two bad losses. You know what I mean? Like I guess maybe that's why I feel about it because he was like closer. Like he he was in the picture 
until he wasn't. And when he wasn't, he's really not. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know. Maybe that's why I feel a little bit more lenient in this situation. Um, I had, I have one more thing to say about the card. Um, the Shane Burgos knockout looked crazy. And that fight was actually really good. Him versus um, Edson Barbosa. Yeah. Shouts out to them. If there's any other fight that I wanted to give a little bit of highlight to, that would be the one. And I had a question for y'all. So I saw, um, you know, a lot of people talking about, you know, Habib and like the shadow of Habib. And I want to know, like, how how do y'all think that Charles would go against a Habib in a match? You know what I mean? Oh, man. Uh, right now, I, w- I would take Habib. Um, even though Charles looked good and Charles has looked really great, what he showed me doesn't look like he could handle what Habib can would put him through. I agree. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it takes somebody with... There's a reason why people are saying Usman versus Habib, even though it will never happen because, one, they're under the same management, but also, two, they're like, you know, they're kind of like homeboys outside, outside of the octagon. But there's a reason why they're saying that because Usman is really damn good at wrestling. His wrestling is second to none. At, at least at welterweight right now. So there's a reason why they're saying that. It's going to be very hard for me to be like, Oliveira could go over Habib. Like, I don't know, man. Like, what well, Habib, man, you can't make no mistakes. The guy is pretty impeccable. The fact that freaking Connor was able to get one round off of him is still like, wow. And some people still think like, hey, that's a debatable round, whatever. But still... That shit is crazy. Like, I think that if they were to fight right now, I would pick Habib. Now, if you're talking about five years from now and Oliveira is still killing it, I would choose Oliveira because you can't be away from the sport for like four or five years and expect to come back in top form without fighting or training, you know, at an active level. Look at Dominic Cruz, you know what I'm saying? He's a yeah. prime example of that. Yeah. So... Well, now that Nacho asked the question, before we move on, excuse me, but I guess we could already say the winner, Connor, and Dustin gets a next shot at the belt. But my real question really is, hey, what's next with Dariush? Because this is a big win for him. Man, you know, it's this is interesting, man. Other than Connor and, and Dustin, like, who else is, like, really up there like that? I, I saw some people talking about Justin Gaethje, but, like, I just think it's so unfair that he just got choked out and hasn't fought since then. And he's just automatically in line. Like, it's like, no, I don't, I don't agree with that. And you know, I fuck with Justin, but like, I just think that's unfair. He should have to fight one more person. So the Neil versus Justin isn't a bad fight to make right now. It's not a bad fight to make, but here's the problem with that. They're both under Ali. Ooh. And, and they're both apparently cool with each other. So, and it's not the first time in the UFC where you had two people under the same management, whatever, fight each other. But it seems like all these guys, they're all tight and they all avoid each other because they have that strong bond outside of the mm-hmm. octagon, except for freaking Gaethje and Habib. But <laughs> because that's a, that, that was a title fight. So that kind of makes sense, right? Yeah, that's like yeah. breaking bread together, essentially. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if LeBron and D-Wade are in the finals, they're not going to sit out. No, they're going to play in the finals because they want to win the championship 
even if it's against each other. So what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, I don't know if that'll happen, but if you remove all the outside factors, I think Gaethje and Darius is a good fight to make to build the next contender. Yeah, I I would have to agree on that. Like, I think it would be Gaethje, Gaethje and Darius. Just even though they're on the under the same management, I mean, we also understand like history has shown before where like some fighters they'll be super cool and then they have a fallout because it's, hey, I want the belt and you have the belt, or we both want the belt, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes. So, I mean, I, it's it's one of those dicey situations. And granted, they all are probably very cool with each other X, Y, and Z, but. I think for someone like Dariush, if that's the only person that they find that's best for him to be next in line, I think he's willing to take it because it's it definitely if he feels as though like he can win against Charles Oliveira, especially. So, I mean, it's either that or like, what are they going to do? Feed him like Dustin Poirier or Connor? Which I mean, if it's Connor, he would love to take it because it's a big payday. Right. But I think at the same time, right now, it's best for him to just take Gaethje. And call it like call it a day. And to answer Nigel's question, I agree with Lau. I would put Habib over Charles Oliveira if they fought. So, yeah. I think yeah. it would be interesting if they fought. I mean, just because like me personally, I think of <laughs> and I think most people think of, you know, Habib for his wrestling or grappling and whatnot. And like Charles Oliveira is like actually pretty decent on the feet. And it would just be interesting to see like them have to, you know, battle it out on the feet a little bit. And if it went to the ground, you know. Yeah. I think Habib would dominate, don't get me wrong, but I think he would uh, have the grappling to make it just a little bit more difficult than the average opponent. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think before we kind of skip over anything else with Connor, I think we got to mention congratulations on his new son or his new child that he had. That's uh, all I know. Yeah. yeah, I just saw something earlier today, that, uh, like probably a couple hours ago, that he just had a newborn. And... <clears throat> On top of it, like outside of that being the great news, he was also listed as Forbes' uh, highest paid athlete for 2021 with $180 million, which is like crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Shouts out to Connor. He, I'm telling you, man, I, it's, it, sometimes I'd be wondering, like, why is this dude fighting? He He's done it all. He He's done it all. He He went from fucking plumbing making sure people don't have clogged toilets in fucking ireland to becoming the face of the ufc to the face of mma to now the face of combat sports now the fucking highest paid athlete of last year (laughs) that's come on like the dude could get knocked out this next fight and he would still be the highest paid motherfucker the most celebrated fucking combat sport fighter of at least in and this time right now, you know, I'm not saying the next five years, but we'll, we'll see who the next person is. But right, it, he's the guy. And I just be like, why is he still fighting, man? Why why is he still fighting? Because you could tell there's a difference in hunger, man. Yeah, you could is. just tell. You could tell, like, the only reason why he wants the title fight again is not because he wants to be champion. I think he's already got that with Jose Aldo. I think he, he wants the fucking, he wants the money. <laughs> That's yeah. it. That's what I was saying before. Well, I was going to say it. That's, I think I said something about that a couple podcasts ago, a couple episodes ago, where it's it comes down to like the money at this point. Because like you said, he he's literally achieved everything that was on his bucket list. Went from being a, like he literally has one of the craziest rags to riches stories. And on top of it, he was a, 
when Dana when he got the call, he had already decided to quit fighting because of like one something that happened to a friend of his and just live just live off the life that he had. So like I definitely agree where it's a money thing for him at this point. I think the I think for Connor it's just it's the money and then on top of it, it's probably the lifestyle he lives. Sometimes you know how it is with athletes. They live this lifestyle and then once that money's up, once they stop fighting, they typically well typically they'll go back to fighting or go back to the sport because they need money, because the lifestyle they live in is their living is like way crazier than what they can afford. So it's probably a mix of both. And on top of it, like he has a kid, he has another kid now. It's like, I think this is a family of five now for the McGregor's. So, Hey, Connor's probably like, yo, listen, I'm, I'm about to run as many bags up. I see what Floyd's doing and he's getting crazy checks. Why not do the same? So we're going to see Connor Floyd too. You you know, Connor, you know, Connor, he may be, the number one highest paid athlete next year. I mean, next year because of, he just got 600 million for the fucking whiskey. Yeah. Mm. That happened this year. Last year was completely different profits from what he already is getting this year. So he may, I'm not saying he is, it's not a foregone conclusion. We won't know until what Floyd does and what other international superstar soccer player, like, you know, Christian Ronaldo and them. But what I'm saying is like, Six hundred million. That's a good start to the race <laughs> to have back to back years of being Forbes number one. So no, that's a fact. I don't know. Like to me personally, like when I see, I think like shouts out to him, and I personally think like you know he's came a long way just from that dude who was you know talking a little shit, you know, knocking people out on the undercards. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah definitely. You know, shouts out mm-hmm. to him. Yeah, like he's he was knocking like he was on the undercards knocking dudes out and made it to like the the other end of the the story, right? And it's kind of crazy. It's what's really crazy is like I think you're we're still seeing that with other fighters, someone like Francis Ngannou, where he went from literally digging sand or something to that nature to being the champion of like the of the UFC and now it's been this conversation of who he'll fight next, whether it be John, whether it be Stipe, whether it be Derek Lewis. And I do believe uh, Dana White actually, he actually made something, he actually made an announcement before that it, it should be uh, Francis versus Derek Lewis in this next, in his next bout. So, but I mean, like you said, Lau, Dana, Dana's doing crime right in front of our eyes. So you never know, but I mean, how, what do you guys feel about this action? This actual announcement, though, with Francis and Derek. To be really quick about it, I think it's something that us UFC fans probably seen now for some weeks now, due to all the the online public beef about John Jones pay versus Dana White. So Derek Lewis, you know, ranking wise, he was the next man up. You know, he's the only UFC heavyweight outside of. Um, Cyril Gain, who's on a good amount of wins right now. So I think that it's not a bad fight. I think that's a good fight for Francis. It's a good fight for Derek. They could promote that. Both of these guys, fan favorite. So it's not a bad first heavyweight title defense for Francis. I mean, the real question and the real elephant in the room is about John Jones, but it seems like John Jones next battle is going to be with the UFC with this money, man. I I don't know if we'll see John Jones fight this year. He might fight next year. 
But this year, I'm just, I believe it when I see it. But uh, early prediction, though, I got Francis knocking out Derek. I think that if we don't see Francis versus John, it's going to be one of the best fights we never saw. That's what I think personally, with all the opportunity to make it. And me personally, I mean, the way I feel about it is like, it's a fight where both of them have the opportunity to knock each other out. And it's going to be something to watch. Nah, that's that's the that's a fact. Like I think it's a fight that we we wish we would have gotten between John and and Francis. But I mean, even in the meantime, like if that fight ever does happen, it's going to be something amazing to see. And in the meantime, well, while that while that's something that we just wish and dream of, at least the fight between Francis and Derek Lewis will be entertaining. I'm siding with y'all. I think there will be a knockout. I will. I honestly, I think this may be one of the most devastating knockouts Francis may actually give to a fighter, because now I'm serious. Because now we're actually going to watch. We've seen the. We've seen what Francis looks like when he's like slowed down, and now we're going to see that same Francis and Ghana with someone that has an idea of the style he'll be fighting with. I think we'll probably. We may end up seeing someone that's maybe more tactical. Someone that's already said like he wants to go fight in boxing, so he's probably even stepped his boxing game up to another level. While still, like we saw, his ground game is looking not is not impeccable, but he knows how to stuff a takedown, and that's the last guy you want to get hit by. So, I think it would be an entertaining fight. I think Derek Lewis will try to show as he's going to show his heart, but I mean I don't think his heart's going to get him a, an admission pass to a championship. I will say that. So. I'm saying yeah. I, I think that's a knockout in the first 45 seconds, possibly, to be honest Ooh, with you. Man. And I, that's not crazy when it's Francis. I'm not it's, saying it is. That's just it's not, no, it's, it's not crazy. A strong statement. That's all I'm saying. Well, it's not crazy when it's Francis, but it's also not crazy with Derek Lewis, who also can put somebody's lights out that's fairly true. viciously. So this is <laughs> <laughs> us fans, us fans, no matter whoever the listeners are rooting for, because I know they're both fan favorites. We're just hoping that this rematch is not a snooze fest like the first fight where they barely was throwing punches and they both were like gun shy. That's all we're hoping for. And us fans are also hoping for that, you know, the Los Angeles Lakers get knocked out the motherfucking playoffs (laughs) and the Golden State Warriors move on and, and Steph Curry is the motherfucking MVP. Because the real definition of most valuable player is, hey, if you remove this guy from the team, that team will not succeed. And fucking Steph Curry is always hitting his threes. He's dropping 40, 50, 60. It don't matter. He's telling (laughs) Steve Curry, hey, what do you want to see me do, coach? Yes, listeners, I'm referencing the NBA playing tournament. It's a very controversial thing. Some fans fucking hate it. A lot of fans fucking hate it. Actually, 99.9% of the fans fucking hate this tournament. It's dumb as hell. It's whack. (laughs) But it starts on motherfucking May 19th. Oops, excuse me, May 18th. But the reason why I mentioned May 19th, because LeBron versus Steph Curry, part five in the playoffs. And this is a really big game because if LeBron loses... I don't think he'll get knocked out. I think he has another chance to play the winner of the 9 and 10 seed, which is total trash. Explanation for another day. But what I will say is 
this is the game that everybody cares about. Who's going to who's going to be able to be in the playoffs? So I want the Warriors to win. I hope the Warriors can win. I don't know about you guys, but I like seeing Steph Curry, the underdog, succeeding. I personally want the Warriors to win. Um, I I don't want the Lakers to go. I'm sorry. I don't know. Like, for me, I just think I like seeing different people in the mix, you know, especially I am a fan of Steph Curry as well. So, I mean, like, it wouldn't be bad to see them advance further. I don't think they do much more than that. I don't think they're going to, like, the finals. You know what I mean? Like, they're definitely not the team for that. And I think that's really, like, the dumbest thing about it. Like, I think the the fact that there's a okay team that could end up, like, somewhere in the playoffs just to get murdered by another team is kind of <laughs> ridiculous. But <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. But, I mean, it, it'll make for some, some very nice stats. Yeah. So inform me on this because uh, I've I've been busy for like the past couple of weeks. Y'all know I've been like moving out, around out in and out of town. Uh, what's up with what what's up with the whole play in tournament? So the so the NBA decided you know due to like the pandemic and the season not being like its normal length and all this other logistical bullshit, aka corruption. So <laughs> they're like they decided to come up with a new format called the play-in tournament. And this play-in tournament is supposed to help bail out these teams that are fucking sorry and garbage, but they're giving them a chance to actually be in the playoffs, even though their winning percentage is, is near to shit. Right. That's horrible. But the reason why they're doing it is to generate money because it's it's, it's drama, you know, Oh my God, the, the 10th seed, you know, they're like fucking, only 15 in their last 15 games, but they beat the number seven seed to get in the playoff. Like it, they're trying to do some college esque bullshit. So basically, the seventh and eighth seed they play each other in a one one playoff game. The winner of that goes on to become the seventh seed. The loser of that they become the eighth seed, and they have to play the winner of the nine and ten seed. And if what? The, and if the eighth seed wins, they move on. But if the eighth seed lose to the nine and ten seed, whoever wins the nine and ten seed, they move on. Yes, it's a little confusing. It's bullshit. Like I said, it's a way to bail out its corruption at its finest. I swear, man, everybody's hitting up fucking Bob Arum and Oscar <laughs> De La Hoya. <laughs> Jeez, my, man. my thing is like we want to watch these sports to see the best fight the best. Like. I understand there's money and drama and personalities and blah, 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 blah. And that's what it's all about, right? Of course. But it's like, at the same point in time, I don't know, I was a fan, you just feel kind of cheated. Yeah, I mean, that's what it sounds like. Like, I I grew up watching basketball and watching the playoffs, and I've always watched, even throughout LeBron's, like, run, right? Watch the playoffs, him against Curry, X, Y, and Z. But this makes no sense. Like you're from it's literally sounds like you're having the bad play the bad to see who can who's the better of the worst. And then just so they can be like pigs and get slaughtered. Yeah. And against like the <laughs> like the real competition. For all that, you might as well just take the best eight or whatever the number you want to use and then having those the one seed play the eighth seed and call it a day. This sounds horrible and it probably and it's definitely seems like how you guys are saying where someone's probably going to get farther than they should and then they deserve to. 
Like it's, I mean, but like you said, a lot of times the dollar always speaks. Yep, that's what that's what make the hoes shake ass, man. Hey, man, listen, <laughs> listen, man. The dollar, oh, the dollar definitely always speaks because I'm not gonna lie to you. Because of some, I mean, anybody that's yeah. a big fan of podcasting, oh, definitely within the hip hop space, has probably been keeping their ears on this whole Joe Budden thing and there the Joe Budden podcast. And you talking about how money speaks. We've been hearing sides of Joe. We've been hearing sides of Rory and Maul. And it sounds like a lot of t- a lot of this has to do with money, power, ego. Yeah. Like a lot of things. What what how do you Joe Joe Bunn is went as far as bringing his therapist on an episode. So how do you how are you guys feeling like watching this? Especially with us being podcasters ourselves. So I'm, I'm going to start off because I feel like you and Nigel are more of dedicated fans to the Joe Budden podcast. You're more in tune with those three gentlemen. You also know more of their background stories and stuff. Me becoming a newer listener of the podcast because I caught on late. I'm going to get my novice, casual fan of their podcast take out the way. Basically what I got from it Joe's calling them, especially Mal, hey, you a dirty-ass freeloading guy. You slept on my couch. Yeah. You know, would he buy detergent products and shit for the house? You keep it in your room for yourself. <laughs> that shit was funny. But, but, like, so it seems like Joe's like, hey, look, you guys didn't put no work onto this. I actually put you guys on. You guys are not really doing anything but just talking and you asking for audits and looking at the account numbers, da, da, da. Fuck that. Fuck you. You're being too entitled. And then Maul and Rory's side of it is like, hey, nah, you're spinning the, a, a false narrative because the truth is really, hey, look, you know, we have a deal where me and you we got percentages going on. Of course, you're going to get the line share because this is the Joe Budden podcast. So you're going to get the line share because you are the, the main event of the show, but we deserve a percentage too. And all we wanted to know is like, hey, how much are we making, right? You didn't put us on no fucking salary. Like, you know, let's say LeBron, he's, you know, they said this on the response. LeBron is making 50 million a year. He don't care what the Lakers are making. You know, right. he only makes sure he gets his 50 million a year because that's his salary. Right. But if he was getting a percentage of what the Los Angeles Lakers are bringing in, then he has every right to know, hey, what is my cut of that percentage? So that's what they're saying. And so why I say is like, I feel like I understand both sides of the conversation, but I don't agree with how Joe went about it airing his friends out publicly. I think that's a little foul. You know what I mean? Not saying that you have whatever business they got going on. I'm not saying that Joe's wrong or Rory Mall's wrong because that's their financial business. But Aaron, your your these are supposed to be your your niggas, man. These are supposed to be your homeboys, your people, and you're airing them out publicly, where people can nationally listen to that. And now they're clowning them and treating them like they ain't shit. They don't know nothing about money because the way that you acted out about it. And I just don't think that was cool. Not saying that Joe was wrong on how he felt about the situation. Same thing with Rory Mall. I'm not saying they're wrong about that. 
I just don't think Joe should have aired him out publicly. You know, that should have been like, hey, behind closed doors, we're going to go ahead and have this triple threat. So, <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I, I listen, man. I shout out to the triple threat. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I agree with you where I think, I, I think Joe went about it wrong. Definitely in the sense of like the, the statement of like, yeah. When I asked Maul to get on here, I didn't know what he was doing. He was just back and forth from New York. I didn't even know. To be honest with you, I've never broke bread with Maul because he slept. He always lived with me. It's like when you start saying things like that and then saying like these negative things about Rory and discrediting their efforts. And now, don't get me wrong. When we heard Joe's response, I think we all were in a unanimous decision of from Joe's perspective, he's right. And then, but of course, we also know sometimes when people give their perspective, it is they leave out information or they their perception may be different than what the reality is. And typically, that's why they say there's always three sides to the truth, yours, mine, and the, the actual event that happened. Yeah. But when it comes to it, I think the I think because I watched the the when that episode came out with the response, I ended up watching the episode that Joe had put out that same day on that Saturday where he had his therapist on and you could tell I think the biggest disconnect is their part in Rory and Maul's eyes, they're partners. We have a contract. We said we're gonna make a certain percentage and that's it. We're profit partners. You own the IP to this thing, X, Y, and Z, cool. But like you said, in order for me to know how much I'm making money, I get a percentage of the profit. So I need to know how much the business is profiting so I know how much money I need to be paid. So from that perspective, I get their perspective. And in Joe's mind, it's you're my employees. Even throughout that whole episode with his therapist, oh yeah, your employees. Sometimes your employees don't like this. Your employees change on you. Your employees this, your employees that. And you have people like Park and Parks, Ice, Ish, all of them, like they're backing that because that's the perspective that Joe's providing. Um, I think it I can say I think this whole thing has shown that I don't think there's I think in terms of reconciliation, it's limited. They may be able to be cool again eventually, but just the way it all went down from the the distasteful uh, approach Joe had with airing his dirty laundry out, I think it's going to be hard for them as well as like, I'm not going to say that podcast is over, but I think there's the likelihood of something, um, I mean, I'll put it like this. I think the next chapter of the Joe Bunnan podcast is very leaves us with a lot of mystery and a lot of things to wonder. I'll say. I think with everything going on, um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see like where you know the podcast and the network go. It's definitely going to be a lot of uh, you know damage control. I guess you can call it. You know what I mean from the situation. Like yeah. me personally, I I can understand both sides because like. From the way they describe it, both of them, it, it makes sense. But it's like when you put it together, like you can understand why both of them felt wronged in a certain way. You know what I mean? Like you get it. You get it. Like from certain principles of the other, you know, didn't like that, you know, but certain approaches weren't liked by the other person, you know, and you get why the situation why how it took the turn it took. You know what I mean? It's unfortunate. Um, I think that their friendship can, you know, get better over time, but it's going to take a lot only because like, this is like a public situation. Now, I think if it never hit the airwaves, I think 
it would be easier, but it's like now you have you and everybody else has to deal with this now. And it's go ahead. I think they have to shoot the one, man. They they really might have to. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that. They gotta do it, they gotta do it. But yeah, I mean that, let's let the listeners know that term means to, <laughs> yeah, No, if they don't know, let's yeah. let them know that that means to fight. It doesn't mean to shoot somebody. <laughs> I think if you don't know, you're, listen you're, man. Spence is right on that. <laughs> not everybody, not everybody I, understands what that yeah. is. <laughs> I hear you. Like hear some you. someone that lives on the totally other side of the country might be like, shoot the one. Oh, he said they should shoot them. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Urban Dictionary, that shit. But, I mean, listen, half the time people don't even read captions. Yeah, I guess that's, you're right. That's but, true. But, I mean, like, overall, I think that... I think we're going to see a lot of where things go in the future because of everything that's going on with the situation. I seem, It seems to be getting a little bit deeper, but, like, you know, that's something we'll hit on, I guess, when we hear more about it. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, that's... it. I don't know. I hope that they can all find some type of peace after this. You know, it seems like uh, they have a lot going on, all of them. Yeah, it it definitely seems like they have a lot going on. I mean, I don't even. It's it's just so weird, like watching this because I've been a fan of the Joe Bunnett podcast since like episode sixty four. So to go through four hundred plus episodes essentially, and never thinking it would get to this point where like you're seeing. Like, this is, like, one of those things where you hear about in movies or you hear it about, like, as a kid of, like, fighters having a fallout and they were good friends or TV shows or radio shows having fallouts. But, like, we've never seen it to this extent of, like, you might hear stuff in tabloids, but this is, like, hey, set up the camera and we're going to go and I'm going to just post something. Because even anybody that's been paying attention closely to it, like, Joe Buddy, he hasn't said anything since the... the same day he released his Saturday podcast is the same day that Rory Maul put out. I'll, I'll name this response later. And so Joe hasn't made a comment on it, but from what I've seen on like his Instagram, he's a lot of things he posted in the stories is like the movie, the accountant, like where, where there's a sarcasm of like trying to be funny, but also trying to say something without vocalizing it. Knowing that like, it's, it just looks like it's just getting uglier and, I mean, it would sometimes you got to have a fair one or just to try to get just to see if that helps resolve something, possibly if that is what a person chooses to do. Um, but it's I don't know. It's it's just sad. It's sad to see. And then on top of it, like it, there's more things that's compounding on to Joe, because I know you said he has shows coming up X, Y and Z. But um, he had a show. He actually has an on his network. He has a podcast. And one of the podcasters that actually left the the network, I think it's called See The Thing Is podcast with Mandy, uh, Bridget Kelly, and um, there was a girl, Olivia Dope. Olivia Dope actually chose to walk away from the the show. And now she's came out with these allegations uh, that Joe, she left the show because Joe was sexually harassing her. Like, and there's, and apparently this is all happens on the episode. So there's, video clips of this like actually on the Joe Pud- Joe Budden network of him having the conversation, calling them out their names, trying to convince them like, hey, I should be able to call you a bitch. Uh also telling her like, yo, like you look nice. He asked her for a hug and kind of started air humping her at so the same I, time. I seen that shit. Joe's fucking wrong. Facts. He's wrong. He, he's wrong. There's no I'm not even gonna defend Joe on that. 
at all. Um, the See the Thing is podcast. I'm not a fan of it. I've seen clips and all that. I think it's very, it's just not for me. And shouts out to everybody who enjoys that type of shit and enjoys that content. But whether you agree with what those ladies represent and how they carry themselves, that doesn't give any man the right to publicly or privately do something against their consent, you know? And him doing what he's doing, it's it's not, it's just, there's no way to spin it. It's just not a good look, you know? And sometimes I've seen some people in the comments on the little video saying like, oh, was she allowed to hug and all that? And I don't think people really understand, like not everybody knows how to handle a certain situation as some of these, you know, couch potatoes clean. Oh, she should have never done it. Like every situation is very unique and it's kind of particular. Sometimes people don't know how to react to certain things at that moment of time and heat of the moment. And if you also watch the video at the end of it, she's like, she was uncomfortable doing it. So like, I felt like he's wrong for him doing what he was doing and whatever backlash she's going to get from this or whatever consequences and all that. All I can say is like, he kind of brought it on upon himself by doing what he's doing. Cause it wasn't exactly the exuberance of professionalism. So I just think that, with all the, the public dispute he got with his former co-host and now with another colleague from another podcast show, things are looking a little, you know, dark for Joe at the moment. Not saying his career may fold over, but, you know, it, he's in a sticky one right now. Yeah, any anything that he takes from the situation, he has to, you know, just sit back and take it. That's pretty much, you know, the way it goes. Like, he was wrong, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate. Um, situations like this have to happen for, for people to actually, for a lesson to be taught. Um, I, I'll just, all I can say is I think in certain manners, like it's, people have to understand like reading the room. I don't know. I'm not, I, it's not, I don't even know what to say other than it's, it was just inappropriate at the end of the day. Hopefully things are able to play out how they should because it's, it's it's just unacceptable at the end of the day. I, I don't know if canceling him will happen because it's not like he's um it's not like he it's not like the the powers that be are the ones that facilitate what he runs. He runs it pretty much off of like him recording every his own stuff. So I think his fan base will dwindle somewhat. Um those people that are in the comments saying like like I agree with Lau in the sense of like people in the comments talking about oh he should have did this X, Y, and Z. I mean, more than likely those people I those people are just weird to some extent. But I, I do think Joe will probably still keep running his show, running his network as best as he can, or and whatever happens, he has to sit through it and then just kind of keep moving from there. But hopefully he learns a lesson throughout this whole thing. Yeah, you know. It's crazy because, like, in on a normal episode of the Joe Button podcast, we probably would hear them talk about the J. Cole album that just came out. And yeah. I know y'all listen to it, and that's why that listeners have us instead. So we can bring that to them so they can, you know, hear us, you know, talk about our musical opinion 
of J. Cole in the offseason. Guys, what do you think? I thoroughly enjoyed the album. I thought the album was a really good album. I thought the album was great. Man, so far, he might have the best rap project of the year so far, you know? And I'm and I and I know I said that with Benny the Butcher, and I know I said that with Conway, but I really think J. Cole put out a solid piece of work, man. I I like it. I know some people were a little critical of his singing on this. I thought it was him evolving his game, you know? Like he's not, I don't, and it's not like we never heard him sing before. He's sung before on his rap songs in the past. So it's not like this is some brand new etiquette shit he's trying. I just think that, you know, this album, I I don't have anything bad to say about this album. He's, motherfucker's stunting. He's talking about some real life shit. He's talking about some shit that people didn't know about, like, you know, Diddy getting, you know, beat up and shit like that. Like, this shit is, is it's crazy. Like, what? There's nothing bad for me to say about this album. I, I like it. I really do like this album. It's really good. Hey, wow. What was it that you said about Kendrick? Yo, man. (laughs) (laughs) So what I what I said what I said right as you know because I was kind of interpreting the situation and Spence he's supposed to be the measuring stick for behind the scenes culture because you know he's he's on the dark web looking at archives and hacked text messages and shit and he was like oh yeah yeah he was like oh yeah you know like uh you know. Diddy had a little few drinks in him and he felt some type of way but Kendra's control verse. So he kind of like confronted him like, yo, son, what's that shit about? And Kendrick, you know, like shit his pants and Cole stood up for his mans. And that that was it, man. Nothing more, nothing less. I don't think anybody necessarily got beat up or was bitching out of a fight. Like, I don't I don't really think it was like that. All no, we know that- is that they got into a scuffle. Like, and it doesn't even sound like he was describing it. It's like, yo, I got to stand up for Kendrick. Like, <laughs> no, that, like it, it didn't seem like that. No, it, <laughs> it, 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 didn't, it didn't seem like that at all in the song. But like when you read it, like people commenting and people saying this is kind of like the consensus of like, oh, this is what the fuck really happened. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but if you listen to the song, it, the song was like, let let my let go of my hand or some shit like that. Yeah. It, he doesn't even say that he beat up Diddy. He just is kind of like, hey, I had an altercation. That was it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it that's true. I think it's, I think more or less it's like the theories that the internet provided to us in terms of like what happened and what sources say. And even um, those that may have listened to the Joe Budden podcast, when they told him what they thought, what they heard were the rumors, he was like, I heard a totally different story. So like, who knows if that rumor is true or not? I mean, it's entertaining nonetheless for just for the sake of the conversation. But I do remember there was a rumor at one point in time where Diddy had fought uh, J. Cole. Because this was like shortly after the Drake situation between Diddy and uh, Drake. So, but um, off to back to the offseason. Overall, I think it was a really great album. It does, it is in contention for the best album or the top one of the top albums of this year wow we agree uh, wow man, man. <laughs> hey man it's not hard it's not hard to agree when you're right like uh <laughs> thank you i appreciate I, I you know. saying that i'm right thank you i know i, I am that. but um 
Never, no worries, man. It's it's always good to be on my side, right? I'm never um, on your side. There's one side, and that's me. <laughs> You're my Robin to my Batman, bro. Like, nah, nah. definitely not, bro. Say <laughs> like, nah, but um, yeah, like nonetheless, though, like yeah, we agree on this one. Like, it, it's uh, in contention for the best album this year. Um, it, J Cole gives. I think to me, this is probably one of the more fuller J, J Cole projects. Where J. Cole goes through giving us the rap music that we want, that the conscious stuff that he's given us before over slower beats, X, Y, and Z. But now he's also giving us that um, just the the music that you can play in a club, the music that you can rock out driving around, blasting throughout your system, whatever the case may be, without feeling like, oh, this is like not as entertaining. Like he's giving you bars, he's giving you metaphors, giving you stories, giving you the reflections on his life where he is currently. And this time, compared to anybody else, he had, well, compared to his previous projects, he's actually had features on this one. And from what the rumors are saying outside of just the features, just to add a note, um, he, if this album goes number one this week, which we'll find out within the next couple of days, this would be the sixth studio, he'll be the first artist to have six studio albums go number one. And like his first six albums go number one. On Billboard, which right now I think he's tied with uh, Drake and DMX. So I'm just going to say it couldn't happen to a better person. Like this, this is a guy who's drama free, pretty positive outside of the music. Like couldn't happen to a better guy. He delivers quality music. He's now no bullshit. We know this mother, you know, sounds like this motherfucker is not lying in his raps. So like shouts out to him. I seen a little report that you know he might hit like over two fifty thousand in the first week. Okay, I I two two hundred fifty thousand. My bad, and I think that's phenomenal numbers. Kendrick numbers. Kendrick I think numbers. that's no no Kendrick numbers for you. <laughs> oh, he's going fucking platinum week one. You know, I mean those are your Kendrick million. numbers. Those no, are your Kendrick not, numbers. No, two fifty is Kendrick numbers for you. Yeah, two fifty is hey that's. Amazing. That's you know what I mean? That's amazing. You have you have amazing numbers, you have I am surprised numbers, then you have Drake numbers. So that that's that's the thing. Shouts out to J. Cole. Honestly, J. Cole could hit three hundred thousand if he's if he's already projected to over two hundred fifty thousand. So shouts out to him. I think he's he's clearly going to be the number one guy, and not no other Rudy Pooh candy asses mm. that you know Jeez. that dropped music the week prior. So and, and no and no <laughs> discredit to them, but like, come on, who, who's the better artist, J Cole or them? J Cole. So you them. know, yep, okay. So amazing numbers, and you know, hopefully Kendrick could do the same. If Kendrick does more. You guys are right. I know you guys will throw a celebration. Huzzah, huzzah. You'll run around in, you know, green underwear, hugging each other and shit. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah you got a really deep imagination, man. No, it's it's just, I'm just saying what you guys do. You guys, you guys, you guys are sitting here pretending like you don't run around, you know, showed right, each so other shit. What anyway. I thought of the album, personally, I, I thought it was pretty good. Um, You know, I listened to it a few times over the weekend and you know i i feel like 
I tried not to like it at first, you know, and like after a few listens, I was like, you know, I gotta, I gotta oh. like like it for what it is. I no, nah, because like I'm a harsh, you know, critic on the better that, rappers, shouldn't I be? Th- I no, nah, I did like J Cole's album. It was pretty good. Like, there's like a long, like pretty much for me after the second song, the rest of the album's a run, and I I really fuck with it. Like, it's good. A lot of the songs are good. A lot of the songs could be hits. A lot of the songs could be singles for real, for real. So it's like. It, I don't know, like, it just, it also sounds, it sounds good, you know what I mean? Like, it's not a bad album. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, you can't say nothing bad about it. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. It's like, the, the worst I can say is that I'm just not the biggest fan of the first two songs, and those songs are good. What? Good You're not a fan of the, the, fir- the first two songs are, like, hard. The rest, the rest of the album is better than the first two songs, that's just me. Man, just I don't me. know, that fir- the first song, 95 South... I'm not saying that song. Yeah, yeah. I can't hear that. Yeah, like what crispy cream dreams? Like, come on, yo. I'm not saying they're bad songs. I just like the rest of the album more. Hey man, he did say he liked Big Flock's album more. Yeah, hey man, listen. Shouts out to Big Flock. Shouts out to whole DMV man. But that that's not just take. He did like his album more. Yeah, so I mean, it's hard to argue with someone like that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah all right. Yeah, I, all right. I will say this: like the the, I think the first the first the beginning of the album is more like like kind of like it kind of carries that theme of like the first track right of ninety five south of more amped up, turned up, and it's only twelve songs. This album's only twelve songs at that, so it's like it's more amped up, but at the same time, like. We, I guess if if you're like a purist of like a J. Cole type of fan, like you want like the more slower type of beats where he's kind of like, where some people will call him like a snooze fest. Uh, some people will. I personally don't, but I know people that always look at J. Cole as like a lullaby rapper that can help them fall asleep easily at night. Um, so, <laughs> hey, hey, man. Melatonin, man. Yo, listen, man. <laughs> listen, man. They sleeping on a cold world, man. They prefer being in the Dreamville, I guess. But like, uh, uh <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had something there, man. I thought I had something. <laughs> All right, well, I'm back. I'm back. Oh man, y'all are funny. I thought I had something for us. I thought I was gonna be able to get that one through without anybody saying anything. Uh, <laughs> But, um, yeah, so, like, but, yeah, like, a lot of people sleep on them, but nonetheless, like, the the album was great. I think my favorite track is actually with him and 21 Savage. Well, 21. Yeah, like, they they make good music together. Yeah. So, so, like, it like to me, I think that was, like, a really great, that, to me, that was probably my favorite song from there. And on top of it, uh, though we're not, it's not something we had on our list, but uh, at I think the another reason why I liked it was because I was a fan of like the EP that Twenty One Savage put out for the Saul uh, the soundtrack. Spiral. Yeah, the Spiral soundtrack. So, um, but yeah, it, it was pretty dope though. It was a pretty dope song, pretty dope album uh, that J Cole dropped. Uh, I do think it probably will. I, I can see it easily hitting two fifty to three hundred thousand if those are the projections. So I mean, hey man, that's all I can say. Like, great job, he delivered. And now um, I think I do think he probably will drop another album sooner than later. I don't think our weight will be as great for the next one because he he still keeps hinting at the fall off, which I think is like his has been like a long awaited album. So I think with what we got here, we have something even better coming our way. But for the time being, 
even if it takes two years for that to drop, I think we will. I think as J. Cole fans, we are all thoroughly pleased with what we heard. J. Cole, man, top three motherfucker in the game today. Easily. Depending, depending on who you are, you may play some one or you may play some two, but you you can't argue that the motherfucker is not top three. You know what I mean? Uh, and if you say he's not top three, go ahead and take your opinion, shove it right up your ass, and don't talk. <laughs> don't talk to us. Don't talk to us. But uh, so, but bef- before we move on, before we move on, hold your, hold your hold, hold your little thought. Okay, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Did you guys hear the Migos song? No, nah. I was okay. Well, my opinion, you know, since you guys didn't hear it, we're not gonna break it down really. It's alright song. It's a cool song. I can hear the song, you know, being blasted in the club and people going crazy. I guess, but apparently that song that was released was even like the true snippets that the insiders heard. Apparently like this album, which has been announced is coming out next month. It's supposed to be like, Hey, this album is much better than the single that was heard. So, but since you guys said, listen to it, we don't have to divulge into it. So we'll just move on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't get a chance to listen to it. Did you guys uh, have a chance to listen to Nikki's? re-release of uh beam me up scotty along with like the four extra the, the four new tracks that she dropped no no uh i'm not gonna lie to you um i listened to it some of the songs the out of the new songs i'm not gonna lie to you i was hyped to see Shirek was on there because i that was yeah but um yeah she i mean she had a couple of good songs on there definitely not even just a, i'm not a nikki fan but she had some good songs on there from that were from like probably a classic mixtape that she dropped. Um, but I will say this, the song that she put out, I, I want to shout Nikki out for this because she, the, we saw anybody that was on Twitter around the time when this album dropped, that whole day, that whole Friday, there was this whole thing of this producer making this beat on an NPC in the back of a car. Fire beat. Next thing you know, people were saying, oh, I wish Pusha T was on this. I wish uh, uh, Pusha T, Meek, Nipsey, people were dubbing songs, X1, all of that type of stuff. And come to find out, it ended up being the beat that would be the first song off of um, off this project that she re-released with new tracks. And it was with her, Drake, and Lil Wayne. I forget the name of the song offhand, but I will say this. From what it looks like, we are about to have one crazy Drake season when, that drop, when Drake drops his project because Drake was really going off on it. Wayne had a fire verse as well. Um, and Nikki did a great job too. She even came out and said like she got washed on that on that song. So just wanted big ups to that. And I can't I think it it just breeds more anticipation for this Drake, this new CBL Drake album. So CBL? Yeah. Certified lover boy, man. I hear you. You said CBL, bro. I was wondering CLB, like what CLB. CLB. Oh, okay. I know I, you guys I, I, are catching everything today. It's better than the commenters. So. <laughs> but but uh no, nah, I ain't listened to the Nikki song and uh shouts out to Nikki. You know, I was the one defending her on the prior podcast. <laughs> and uh so shouts out to her, you know, good for you. I heard that not I heard, but I read that the sales were, were gonna be pretty nice and that's actually really good thumbs up because you talk about an old ass mixtape. And with a re-release, and it's going to be one of the better selling projects of the fucking week, you know. Yeah. So, shouts out to Nicki Minaj. That goes once again. She's easily, 
you know, one of the greatest rappers of all time, male or female. So shouts out to her. Uh, all right. I, I think we got a, a couple more things before we close out. Anything, yeah. anything else you guys want to say? Uh, well, I was actually just going to tie it. Wait, wait, my bad. Naja, what was your question, bro? Oh, I was going to say, I don't think the fall off is ever going to come out. What if it was like his detox type shit? Um, nah, I think it's going to drop. It's like, oh, I'm never falling off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Type shit. Uh, get this, go off the stage. I'm just saying. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, it's like, it's like that. Mo- it's like that. <laughs> I said, I feel bad. I was like, yo, Nacho got a question. Next year, he started talking some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was letting go. I was just like, it's a thought that I had. I was just like, maybe. Nah, I mean, it. it's possible, but I think this is, I think it just builds anticipation. Like, it's probably yeah. gonna come out like next year. Yeah, I mean, I think, it, and we also gotta realize with J. Cole, um, he has like a whole basketball theme at the end of the day. So, like, you probably wanna have the off season before you have the fall off. So, like, or who knows if there's a, there may be another album between that. And I mean, let's be honest. It could be our de- his detox because if anybody's been watching, he's been he's been playing basketball now. He's a professional basketball player, so giving giving people fifty points, twenty three assists, twenty six blocks, thirty four rebounds. You talking and, about fucking plans? You must be because those are crazy stats. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Shout out to J Cole, but like, oh my god, you talking about two K or something, nigga? Oh my god, that's, that's not what I saw. Shout out to him, but that that wasn't it. Yeah. Hey man, listen, yo, when you put stats up like that, you're a legend in two games, like Pee Wee Kirkland, man. Okay. So, hey, listen, oh, that's man. all. All I can say, but I mean, speaking of legends, actually. Oh, um, because <laughs> uh, we're. Me, I never said that shit again. That's <laughs> you, you almost said that shit, bro. I didn't. Did I? Did I? Speaking of. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, y'all are stupid. Uh, <laughs> y'all are crazy. Uh, yeah, the legends of all legends. Uh, one of the Chirac legends himself, Lil Reese. He actually. Uh, how can I say it? Uh, over recently on Twitter, we found out there was some news that Lil Reese had been shot. And anybody that knows, uh, he's been shot. I think last time he got shot last year in the throat by Draco. He was shot in the throat <laughs> with a Draco, which is like crazy. Lived to talk about it. He's able to uh, speak again. Um, well, unfortunately, the video clip came out where he was shot. Uh, looked like he had welts on his face from where he may have been attacked as well. Uh, and it, it, the timeline looked very grim for for him. And he, he came out and he just posted that he had, he had still survived a shot. He had survived another shooting and he'd be back. He'd pretty much be back outside before you know it. So um, kind of crazy thing, but tough act to kill. Hey, oh, man. <laughs> Maybe I might. Not. I, I, no, we're keeping that. Like, <laughs> what I want to say about Lil Reese, I never understood why he never moved out to L.A. like Chief mm. Keith and Fredo did. R.P. Fredo. But, like, why did he never, ever move out to L.A. with the rest of the Glow Gang, GB guys? You know what I mean? Like, you you see all of them. They're all living healthy. They're all all right. You know, they're not 
and I'm not trying to be funny about the situation, but like he's getting hurt and he's surviving. And you know, God bless him for surviving. But it's kind of like, yo, when will it be enough for you to be like, you know what? This is, it's enough. And I don't know. I don't, I mean, when you get in chat four or five times, you're like, shit, I could take, I, you know, I catch bullets with my teeth. Maybe he might just be sitting in fucking in Chicago till his time is up. But I just feel like the dude needs to leave, man. Cause apparently it's not a safe place for him to live. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of crazy seeing this like go on this time and time again. Like, I don't really have much to say about it, but I mean, like, it's just it. I, like, similar to what you said, like this is happening time and time again. It just seems like there's no end to it. You know what I mean? Shouts out to him though, you know, and hopefully he, uh, you know, takes care of himself. Yeah, no, nah, that's a fact. I mean, <clears throat> I do hope he gets out of Chicago at this point. Because it's one too many incidents happening back to back. Like, he just started speaking again just recently, like, in the past couple of months, I believe. So, like, hopefully he takes that, makes that decision of finally moving. I don't know why, to answer Lyle's question, I don't know why he he's never moved. Because it definitely with all the success that they were having at the time. But, I mean, we've, I mean, we've seen it before with, like, artists where they... Some artists just, I don't know, some people like, some artists prefer going back to their environment that they came up with, came up in or whatever. So who knows? But I, I would advise that him and all the people around him that he keeps close to him, they advise him to leave as well. It's good to see that he's able to make him, he's back on his feet or he'll be back on his feet pretty soon, Lord willing. So, but yeah, it is kind of crazy. We got anything else for the listeners? Man, yeah, I think there's something. Not the one that I said. No, I don't got nothing. It was something that you had, that you was talking to me about, that you was like, "Oh, I understand what you're saying, Lyle. I agree with you, like I do every other time that you talk, Lyle." (laughs) Clearly, you want to you want to talk about what this thing is. (laughs) No. No, I I don't. But I I think we can save it for another day. Okay, I'm fine with that, man. Maybe I give you time to gather your thoughts to be like, "This is how I wanted to agree with Lyle." I had to think about what I wanted. <laughs> oh, wow! <laughs> All right, do we have anything else for listeners? <laughs> I just want to say, shouts out to the listeners. Uh, make sure you follow us at Advise Highly on uh, Twitter. Make sure you follow us at the Highly Advised Podcast on Instagram, and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube listeners make sure that you know you leave comments you leave likes you also leave us reviews on the apple podcast uh, and also on spotify you know that definitely helps us out but also we appreciate that we like seeing feedback we like seeing compliments we even like seeing criticism because you know we're definitely not perfect we want to improve and all that stuff like that because we can't continue to entertain the jabronis if you know you guys are not saying anything so i'd rather have you guys boo us as the true heels as we can be versus just not saying shit and picking your nose. So shouts out to the listeners. Make sure you check us out. You know, it's your boy, Big Cozy Too Cozy. Before we all get off, what does Spence say and what does Nigel have to say? All I got to say is drink your water, wear your mask, sanitize, and make sure you like and subscribe to all the platforms that Lau's already told you. This is the cross space between Mixed martial arts and hip hop. 
No place in the universe can you find this. So please do yourself the favor, not just us, but yourself. Mm -hmm. Keep yourself in the know. Keep yourself in the loop. Mm -hmm. Keep yourself highly advised with what's going on in the world, in the world of combat sports as well as hip-hop, and subscribe. That's all I got to say. Yes, sir. That's all I got to say. Listeners, we are the best hip-hop and MMA podcast on the internet. This is Relax and No G underscore Jackson. You just heard from St. Kitch. And then yes, you sir. have Lau, a.k.a. Big Cozy, Too Cozy. We are the Highly Advised Podcast. We will see you guys next week. Have a good one. Resident Evil coming soon. <laughs> You've been highly advised. <laughs> <laughs>